This is one of those Gospels where um, it feels like Jesus is not being very nice. He's saying something very harsh. Um, they ask him this question, will only a few people be saved? In other words, is heaven just for the, the few special saints? Um, you know, those who tried really hard, did everything right. And he doesn't really answer the question, but it, it seems to, that he says, yeah, it's really hard to get into heaven. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it sounds scary. And I sort of imagine Jesus, they like ask him, like, a lot of people going to heaven, Jesus? And he's like, nope, and then drops the mic and walks out. Um, and it, it just doesn't feel like Jesus, the Jesus that I know and love from the other stories in the gospel, where he's very generous and open and merciful and forgiving. So what's the deal? And sometimes you, you may have encountered this, that are, that's sort of a tale of two Jesuses, depending on uh, what you want from him. Like this kind of Jesus, the narrow gate Jesus, uh, the, you know, you better have a, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck Jesus, the one where he's talking about hell. Um, he's very helpful to those who think they're doing really well and want to show other people, like, you ought to be trying just as hard as me. Right? They feel that they're in a good position, that maybe they're going through the narrow gate. But there's a lot of people who aren't. And then that other Jesus who says, neither do I condemn you or um, judge not lest ye be judged. This really nice Jesus who, who seems to be so forgiving that he doesn't really ask anything of us. You don't really need to change. You're fine just the way you are. That's a useful Jesus for those who don't want to change and want to defend themselves against anyone challenging them that maybe their life could use some transformation, use some conversion. But the real Jesus... He's not a tool. He's not someone that we can just use like that to, to bolster our own egos or to put other people down or to protect ourselves from other people's criticism. Jesus is both very demanding but very forgiving. And even in this warning, which is what it is, this narrow gate saying, um, this talk about wailing and grinding of teeth and knocking on the door and not being let in, it's a warning um, Jesus did not come to tell us it's really hard to get into heaven, drop the mic, and then go back. He came to bring us with him. The whole point of the gospel, the whole point of Jesus, is that he wants to come carry us through the gate. And there's a little hint at the very end. He says, For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. It's a very mysterious saying. But, if you'll notice, almost every time Jesus talks about heaven and hell and the last things and who's going to be saved, there's always this talk about first and last or the least of my brethren. Remember Matthew 25 when he talks about the sheep and the goats, those who will be going to heaven, those who will be going to hell. He says, whatever you did for the least of my brethren, my littlest brothers and sisters, you did for me. Or he says, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. You have to be small. Or, he says, that millstone one, he says, um, whoever uh, leads the littlest one astray, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and for him to be thrown in the sea. So there's, there's this talk of littleness and smallness. Even the narrow gate, you've got to be little to get through. You have to become like a, a little child. And so, he kind of leaves it up to us to interpret, and I'm not 
saying that this is the authoritative uh, interpretation, but he says, many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. In other words, if you want to get through that narrow gate and your idea is I'm going to bulk up and get really, really huge and strong and try to get through that narrow gate by my own force, good luck. It's not going to really work. People have tried it for centuries. All sorts of philosophies and religious ideologies and things. We're trying to get to heaven on our own or to try to create heaven on earth. It can't be done. We're sinners. We're beggars. We're poor. We don't have what it takes to become who we're made to be. There's something in us that needs to be healed and transformed and redeemed. That is what he's come to do, is to restore us, to redeem us. But we have to let ourselves recognize our smallness and be, be carried. Remember, when I was middle schoolish, um, is when things started to go, as it often does in people's lives, kind of go downhill a little bit, got into my angsty, tired, growing pains, um, selfish, and just sort of lazy, like to sleep in till noon or one in the afternoon on Saturdays. Um, and I remember, uh, I went over to this friend's house. This is how old I am. It was like the very beginning of people having the internet in their house. And he, they had high-speed internet. And uh, these kids, as teenagers do with the internet, and they had a computer in the basement and their parents were oblivious, they were looking at all sorts of things and downloading all sorts of things that they shouldn't have been downloading. And I'd never seen that stuff. And they were sort of like really proud to show it off and to see like how shocked I was uh, at, at like this corruption, this, you know, these beautiful people shown in such ugly and, uh, and um, degrading ways. And I'm sure in the sadness of, of many of our lives in this age, like it happens even at younger and younger ages that you see this stuff. And um, it scared me, but it also fascinated me. And there were all sorts of ways for me to also investigate that on my own. I'd never, it never had even occurred to me that you could be so bold as to just like look it up. And um, that was like part of the tapestry of my life sort of just drifting into what I, in retrospect, realized was sin, right? But there was all sorts of other things that, that led to lying and, and, and secrecy and, and uh, hiding things from my parents. It, meant, it led to like kind of feeling bad about myself, it led to gossiping and, um, you know, putting other people down and uh, being lazy in my work and lack of self-confidence and lack of self-worth. So I just like was a minimalist and stopped really caring about stuff that I used to care about, like music or school. And it just was like this ennui or, or, or heaviness was over my life. And I didn't even realize it. And one day, my dad, who had become a Catholic, um, took me to confession. And I, had ne- I hadn't been to confession since I was like in second or third grade. I didn't even go when I got confirmed. I just waited and like didn't, I didn't want to talk to the priest. Um, so he takes me to confession and it was in a, a booth, you know. I'd never been behind a screen where you can't see the priest. And it was kind of scary, but also kind of like cozy. <laughs> and uh, the priest was very gentle with me. And he just asked me like the Ten Commandments. He realized I hadn't been to confession so long. I didn't know how to confess. So he just kind of walked me through, and he asked about the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm like, I've never done that. And he, then, but then he started walking through, like, well, what does that mean? Not just adultery, uh, like, literally, but figuratively, or in your imagination, in your, in, your, in your life. Like, are you chaste? 
And I, I, it was the first time I ever, I realized that that was like, among all the other sins, that was the secret shame. That was the thing that I kind of held from God and even from myself, that like, this is, this is ugly about me and I don't like it, but I can't stop. Um, and when I confessed it and he said, okay, well, you'll be forgiven for that. Um, I also didn't realize that I shouldn't have been going to communion that whole time. And so I confessed that I did that because I was in mortal sin and didn't realize it. So I I just got a total clean bill of spiritual health. And uh, he gave me absolution and said, all of that is erased. God redeems it. He he forgives you. And you're a new person, just like you were baptized. Like a newly baptized baby. And I walked out of there and I just felt like all of a sudden the world went from black and white to color. And I I didn't realize that that I was going down this path. And... uh, that's what the warning, I think, is all about. And that was the beginning of me turning around and, I, of course, didn't know what I was doing, but Jesus kind of got his sandal in the door with me there. And I realized, like, this is being alive. And I want to be alive. And I, I didn't know how to, like, keep going towards the narrow gate or keep striving. I didn't have friends that were really, like, supporting me in that. It was later in college that I, that I got to that. But the truth is that our choices, good or bad, tend to build on each other. And you make one bad choice, usually leads to another bad choice, and another bad choice, and another bad choice, until you're finally, like, in a really bad spot. And the reverse is true. Good choices tend to build on good choices, and tend to build on good choices, and you find yourself, just after time, like, in a more happy, joyful, uh, connected spot. And, and, and this is the point, I think, of the narrow gate. Um, notice that Jesus says the master when they knock on the door and it's too late they say let us in he says I don't know where you're from it doesn't say you're not good enough there's something wrong with you I don't love you he says I don't know you I don't know where you're from I don't recognize you like I haven't seen you they say we've seen you you were in our streets you were preaching and and we know who you are he's like yeah but I don't know you that's that's one of the mysteries of, of of the Gospels, that God has come so far to bring us to him. And yet we can refuse to be known. We cannot let him know us. And there can be a time when it's too late. That's what's really scary. And so, if you're going down a path, and it's the wrong path, we really can't avoid the reality that at some point you're going to have to turn around. You can either keep going down that path till it's too late, or you're going to have to turn around. Make an adjustment. Do something scary. Like that, for me, that was very scary. It was this cozy place, and God had it in his providence that, that he gave me the courage in that moment to be really honest and to confess and to receive his mercy. But it was still scary. It was still a risk. I still had to trust. And so I would just invite you as we begin this new school year um, to let God know you in some new way. Not to worry so much that Jesus is just dropping this truth bomb on you and leaving you by yourself, that he's saying something to you to get your attention, to call you back to, to him, to, to take some stock of your life where you need to turn, to convert, to repent, and to, to receive his love in a new way, and so become who you're made to be. Um, there's lots of opportunities for you here at Newman. Um, you know, we have Mass here every single day. We have Confession here every single day. Um, we have... Uh, a coffee shop right down the, the hall that people can hang out in and, and spend your, your afternoons here with, with uh, us. And uh, we have fall retreat coming up and 
and so many different opportunities, Bible studies. Um, but I would just urge you, in the end of your pews, there are these um, registration cards with a little QR code. And after I sit down, you can grab them now if you have them next to you. Uh, but with your phone to just scan that QR code and um, fill out a very, very brief survey. This is to help us have your information so that we can tell you what's going on here when there are retreats, when there are Bible studies, when there are things going on, um, that you are in the loop. Um, but also you can express to us if there's anything you're interested in getting involved in, like being a liturgical minister, a lector, a server, being involved in music, um, being in a Bible study, etc. So after I sit down after this homily, uh, I want you to do that, especially if you're a new student. Um, but also, I would just urge you as you're going through your classes and everything, this place is open basically 9 to 9, Monday through Friday. Uh, Friday we close at 6, but this chapel is here for you to talk to Jesus, right? This is not really much of like a Sunday community because a lot of kids commute. Um, a lot of people have parishes that they go to. Um, this is, think of this as a place where you can get to know Jesus and he can get to know you. I just invite you to, to come and, and experience that kind of intimacy with God, um, especially if there's part of your life or part of your heart that you're holding from him or that you don't like about yourself or that you don't share with, with anyone else. Um, to be known and to be loved in those places is life-changing. And I, I would just invite you that, that he wants to know it, and he wants to love you there.